Thanks for listening to this podcast of Bet MGM Tonight. Our show is live every weeknight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on Odyssey radio stations around the country, odyssey.com, as well as the Odyssey app. Well, one guy who's not used to watching losses right now is Chris Carino joining us. He's the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. And last night, Kevin Durant left Earth. He was plus 1,200 to record a triple-double. Feels like he did more than that. They'd squeak that game out. Chris, how great is, is Kevin Durant? Why is he the best player you've ever seen in your entire life? Hello, guys. How are you? <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, he's oh. like no, Michael Jordan is right back in my it. day. Yeah, I need a little small talk. <laughs> um, Welcome to the show, know, Chris. Thanks for joining us. That's boring. Thank you. How, Thank how, you. how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? I'm great. You know, I got to see a Kevin Durant 51-point performance courtside on Sunday, and then uh, – a really an uplifting net win last night with seven guys out with uh, health and safety protocols. So to get back to your question about Durant, I think, you know, the 51 point game, what was amazing to me is just how easy it looked, mm-hmm. you know? And, and the thing I love about Kevin is he's just very real. You know, Kevin, you talk about guys that are real ones. I mean, he's a real one, just the way he talks about the game. Um, last night, you can tell his, his emotions were so genuine about, you know, be carrying that team the way he did. And I mean, he was on fumes last night by the end of that game. And he took such immense pride in those young players playing well. He really mentors the young players. He's just, he's just a very real person. You know, even when he interacts with people on social media, I know he kind of gets in trouble, but I think he, I don't think he likes Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, yeah. I don't think he likes That's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but very again, honest. but very real. Put it out there. Like, you know, I don't like you. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very uh, literal, you know, and I think, you know, because he, he could see what Skip is doing. He's playing him. He's trying to troll LeBron and, uh, you know, he's not going to have it. So even when he interacts with people online, it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to enter this arena. Yeah, you, do, do things bother me when people say things bad about me? Yeah, sure it does, and I'm going to fight back, you know, that kind of thing. So I think he's he's really uh, he's, he's amazing. Seeing him every night now as opposed to just seeing him when I, you know, in the past, uh, you, get a, you get a greater appreciation um, for just how smooth and incredible a player that he is. I mean, when he shoots that mid-range jumper, I mean, mm-hmm. you're shocked when it doesn't go in. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, he's been putting the team on his back in ways that – I don't think he knew that he was going to have to. You know, Harden hasn't been nearly the player that we saw him when he played in Houston. And Kyrie obviously hasn't been there for obvious reasons. And now you're seeing the new report, which I'm sure caused some scurrying around. Uh, The new report, if you Google renewed optimism, those two words only, all by themselves, there is renewed optimism that Kyrie Irving may still return this season it is unclear whether that optimism stems yeah. from a belief that Irvin will get the vaccine or whether the Nets will change their policy. Um, there's been increased levels of communication between KD and Kyrie as well. Um, what's your take on that? Do you think that the Nets will capitulate if KD pushes hard enough, given some of these issues? Or or what do you, what's your take? Well, first of all, capitulate's a great word. Thank you. I love that word. And I, you know, I think he, like he's, he, like I said about him being very real. He was asked about it after the game last night, and he just said, "You know what? I'm just going to keep that in house." You know, he, yeah. he didn't say, you know, he didn't try and make it up or dance around. He said, "No, I'm just, I'm not, I, I know we are something's going on here, but I'm not telling you." Um, and I, and I don't, so I don't know. I mean, I've spoken to some of the reporters who are, are involved in in reporting those. Um, and I, I think there's, 
who knows? Uh, yeah, this whole Kyrie thing has just been one big guess after another. I I was shocked in the beginning. Not shocked, but I was mildly surprised when they decided they weren't going to allow him to play at all. Um, I thought they might capitulate to him just playing the road games, but uh, maybe they'll. You know, I I don't know, and and I, and I fear that the virus is getting around even more. So the the thought of possibly the city. Rest- you know, changing their stance on it is probably not going to happen. Um, so I don't know. I see if we, I suggested somebody the other day, if we really want to go throwback with the uniforms and everything, we could just go play in Jersey <laughs> and then Kyrie can play. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I, I guess my question is really, do you think it's possible? I mean, anything's possible, right? But they came out so hard against like, we don't want a part-time lover. We only want a full-time lover. So if they switch their stance on it, like, would that be, like, I guess, how does that change things? And can they do that, given how hard they came out about it? Yeah, that's before they started losing to teams that yeah. were, you know, the exactly. better teams around the league. And they said, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Man. Maybe part-time, maybe part-time wouldn't cool. be so bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you got nothing else. Um, but, again, and I think that came from management, not so much the players or the coaches. Right. You know, I think they made a decision, and they tried to they, they tried to do it what they thought was in the best interest of the team. Um you know, again, then James Harden isn't playing like James Harden, and you go, oh, wow, well, we really need something here. Because think about it. If you're going to go, let's say you need to make a move because you need somebody that can penetrate or you need somebody that can handle the ball um, because they really don't have a pure ball handle outside of James Harden. You know, he took it, he rested against Detroit, and Detroit just pressed the team, and they could have a hard time bringing it across half court. So instead of saying, well, we can go out and make a deal or find a guy, well, we have a guy. We just wouldn't be able to play them, you know, half the games. But before we go out and try and make a move, maybe there is a move to be made. So I, I, I really can't tell you. I don't have any insight. I don't even know if the people, you know, on the inside have any insight as to what's going on in Kyrie's head. Uh, Chris, the other big story in the uh, NBA last night, even though you were on the call, obviously, was Steph Curry breaking the three-point record, and a lot's been made, obviously, about how he's changed the game, and he breaks Ray Allen's record, and for me, it was growing up watching Reggie Miller, a little bit different of a player, but for you, who was that player that really, like, changed the game? Because I remember growing up, like, talking to my dad and watching, like, the film of Magic Johnson when he would have to come in and, like, play center every once in a while, but he was a 6'9 guy who could handle the ball, who could score and do it all. For you, who was, like, really that guy, like, you're Steph Curry? Uh, well, I mean, so I guess you, you're calling me old. You want me to go back a little further? <laughs> well, I'm old. See, uh, the, for me, it was Tony Kukoc. Yeah. He was a seven-footer that could do it all. You know, he came over. We were calling him the Michael Jordan of Europe. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, obviously, Magic, mm-hmm. you know, being a, a guy that was that um, big to be a, in a ball handler's position, a point guard's position, where it was all guys like, you know, Bob Cousy. Yeah. You know, and then and now you have this six eleven guy. Yeah, and I always used to say, you know, that's when I used to compare LeBron. I, I always, people always made the LeBron Michael Jordan comparison. Yeah. I always thought a more apt comparison was Magic Johnson, yeah, because of LeBron's just sheer physical um, prowess and you know how big and strong he was, and he played the game a little more of a smile on his face than than Michael did, more like Magic, and, and he the was playmaking more of a ability too. You know, Chris, yeah, yeah exactly. he was more of a passer. So, um, you know, that was probably the guy. I mean, I grew up in that. You know, when I when I fell in love with the NBA, it was during that time of you know Magic and uh, going against Bird and those teams. And um, and I was a big Bernard King fan. Uh, unfortunately, Bernard really didn't have as long a career. You know, Bernard was kind of like the uh, 
Terrell Davis of, of NBA, you know, yeah. where he just dominated for, you know, there was a, there was a stretch there like 84, 85, where I don't know if I've ever seen anybody dominate the way Bernard King did, but it was a very short period of time. You know, he had injuries and other issues. So uh, those would probably be the guys. And I think, you know, Curry, you know, his, he, he really has changed, you know, his, there, there's no one's been a, a, as good a shooter as him. All those guys you named, no one was as good as Steph Curry. I mean, even Ray Allen, um, didn't do the kind of things that Curry does where you have to pick him up yeah. as he comes across half court. You know, Alan, you were worried about him coming off the screen, Reggie Miller coming off the screen. You weren't worried about them coming, you know, just walking the ball up the court and pulling it up from 30 feet. You know, you have, you literally have to pick up Steph Curry when he comes across the midcourt line. You know, Dame is the same way, guys like that. So, um, and I, and I see other guys now. I see, you know, I see guys like Fred Van Vliet, you know, last night pulling up from 30 feet, you know, that Scotty Barnes is pulling up like these, this is all the Curry effect that yeah. this didn't happen before Steph Curry started making shots from the logo. Chris, um, I was just, I saw this question being posed to a cast of characters, I'd say on ESPN. And they asked, what's the biggest disappointment of the NBA season? Now I want to hear what your biggest disappointment of the NBA season has been so far, whether a team or a player. One of the biggest surprises, of course, like you said, that Golden State team still being this good, but I know the Knicks are probably up there as well. Like, what is your biggest disappointment, or maybe the Lakers? You guys really like to go to the negative, don't you, boy? <laughs> yes, I tell you, it, it last sells. time it was like, what was your coldest take? <laughs> this time it's, well, that was just because I was very cold at that yeah. point. So I was just wanting some um, solace in, in community. <laughs> Um, if you, boy, if you talk to if you talk to Net fans, I feel like yeah. some of them feel like the Nets, the Nets are the biggest disappointment at twenty and eight. You know, like I saw a tweet somebody said, "Who to, who's to blame for the Nets?" You know, twenty and eight start Slow start. Um, you know, they just they they've struggled against. They, you know, I think with them is they haven't brought it against the top teams. They've kind of and I and I almost feel like they've they, they've done so much to go out of their way to downplay those matchups because every time they're playing somebody like golden state or phoenix or chicago people go well is this a big measuring stick game for you and they go nah it's just every it's like any other game you know and i and i thought to myself well you know maybe they should start really getting pumped up for these games you know saying hey we're going to show you who we are um and i think you know probably harden i'll put harden up there I, i don't think harden has come and been the same player we saw when he joined the Nets last year and got everybody excited, you know. So I'll use that just as an example of, uh, of, of you know, something that I know. I think probably though, pro- I got to say the Lakers though. Yeah. I think yeah, I think more, more than that. I, I I think the Lakers have to be, you know, because every time you think maybe they're turning it around, they just there's just something not right there. So I, I'd have to go Lakers though as the biggest disappointment this year. When that expecting better. When that rush trade went down, what were the thoughts that went through your mind? Because I think most basketball heads, like hoop heads, were wondering about the spacing. Even people who are pundits that we don't even like listen to, who just like to spout whatever, you know, mentioned very clearly that that could be an issue. Like, what were the things that you were most concerned about when that trade came in? You know, I'm so I'm so torn about Russ and what I think about Russ because the best Russ I've ever seen in person was Russ with nobody else in Oklahoma city. Right. Like Russ, just Russ and, uh, you know, other guys. And 
there would be stretches where it was just he just completely physically and utterly dominated. He just bulldozed his way to the rim, got anywhere he wanted to on the floor, and you would you know he'd go to the bench for maybe eight minutes. And I remember always saying, "Well, this is where you got to take advantage of them now when Russ is on the bench." And whenever he's played with other great players, it's just. I don't know. He, 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 he doesn't play well with others and it's not, it's not a personality thing. It's just the way his game is. I think when he puts his head down and he just goes, um, he's more effective and more dominant. And when you want him to just sort of be a guy that's going to get other people involved, that's really not his, it's really not his thing. So, you know, look at how well Washington's played and, and he's not there anymore. You know, everywhere he's gone, people have had to, have had to move on from him when he was just a loner in Oklahoma City was the best he's been, and they were good. Yeah. You know, they were pretty good. Yeah. So I, I think that was what I thought. When they got him, I was like, I don't know if Russ necessarily plays well in the sandbox, and I don't know how that's going to play with LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. So maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised about the Lakers' tough start here. Well, Chris, thank you for joining the show. Always so love offering up some terrible questions to you so that you can be a Debbie Downer <laughs> rather than being so positive and political. That's yeah, what we, we got to get the controversy out you sometimes, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that the, the negative stuff plays better on talk radio, but you know, let's, <laughs> let's challenge ourselves. Oh, you just, <laughs> Chris, you're just a great guy. That's why we got to, we got to, we need you on a bad day. He a needs bad to be day. warmed up. See, that's the kind, that's he needs the warmth. He needs <laughs> encouragement. He needs some foreshadowing and only positive questions for Chris Carino. <laughs> 